you to River Church this evening, a Wednesday night, the 20th of October. What a blessing it is to have you tuning in. So we want to minister the word for just a few minutes. Uh, God, we're on a subject right now called the distance, the distance going all the way, the distance going all the way. So all of us, we want to go the distance. We don't want to just go tomorrow or the next day or, you know, a half a mile or we don't care. We want to go the distance. However, and how long that is, we want to go the distance. Paul called it about uh, saying, I, I want to run my race and finish my course. That's where the amen goes, y'all. <laughs> yeah. So turning you, well, turning your Bible to John 10, 10, and then we'll do something else because I only, I only have two hours on Wednesday night. I got to be careful here. But what I was going to say is, is in, let's, let's quicken ourselves with this word. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So powerful, so discerning, so addresses our life. So whatever you're thinking about this and messing with that, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. There's no deviation. There's no like, well, not really. I think this way, but I'm really not that way. The TEV, today's English version, says what he thinks is what he really is. What he thinks is what he really is. So I wrote down in my notes, upgrade, Michael, upgrade. Upgrade about what you think about, what you think in, so that you can be more than you are. Increase. There's lots of ways to increase. Faith comes by hearing. There, there's a renew your mind, lots of things we could do, but as we think, it's a real powerful steering on our lives. So I wrote this down. I'll just tell you what I wrote down. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. That's older than dirt. So we started a series last uh, Wednesday, I believe, and uh, we said the most valuable thing that anybody has in your life it's certainly not silver or gold. It's your identity. You can do anything if you know who you are. You can tap out. It's called jurisdiction. When you know you're over anything, that you have jurisdiction over anything, then you know who you are and you know what you can do, how you can dominate in that area. You may not know everything that you can do. Like, for instance, demons. You know, you, you may be afraid of demons or don't know anything about them. Well, that could be that that's in your jurisdiction. So you got to know who you are. I, we always say what Keith Moore said, demons are afraid of me. Well, you got to put that on. You got to put that in your identity. Uh, uh, we had a visitor Sunday morning and the first thing I told him was, you are the right height. <laughs> we, we are tired of those tall people breathing nowhere at all. Hallelujah. So the most valuable thing you can have in your life is to know who you are. If you're a husband, you need to be, you need to know that you're a husband and what that means. If you're a father or a mother, you need to know what's in that bag, what's in that uh, box. And that's who you are. And if you, you aren't who you are, then you're in trouble. We said uh, uh, Sunday that the worst thing in the world is a, a married man acting single. He doesn't know who he is. And so he's not enjoying any benefit from either world, and he's getting knocked around. Listen to this. Able to do exceeding abundantly above 
all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. The Passion says he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Now I can tell you right now, you, your head is not, a, it's blocking the door. There's a, there's a barricade about this. Our heads cannot handle this. It's, it's nuclear powered and we got a little paper mask on. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. Isn't Jesus wonderful? He's just so much more. And I want us all to step over at the rapture or whenever you want to go, to step over into heaven where there is no devil, there's no sickness, there's no lack, there's no strife, there's no I told you so and now you find out I'm right. There's none of that going on. I want us all to step over into that and say, just like it was back there. Because we have power over the devil here, over sickness, over lack, over strife. We, everything we're going to go to is the same, except we won't need our faith to survive or to, to thrive or whatever. Because there won't be any devil, there won't be any curse, there won't be any sin there. Hallelujah. So we ought to step over and say, this is a happy day. But not like, well, a little cabin across the, the hill. Someday I'm going to go over there, Can uh, Beulah land or whatever. John 10, 10, you're there. It says in verse 10, the thief cometh not. So it's kind of a negative there. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I hope you have a big gold star next to that. But uh, he's saying, I, I have come that they might have Zoe life. And we know what that is. It's life as God has it. But the world is, most of the religious world thinks that Jesus came to help them get through this life. You know, somehow, just by the grace of God, he's going to help me, but, you know, he... he I'm sick and he won't do anything. I'm broke and he won't do anything. So we say it takes all of their life to live their life. At the end of any period of time, they're tapped out and they just want to go to the house and give it up. But Jesus said, I've come that you'll live above this life. Not even be entangled in it. Not even be uh, wound up in it. But you'll live above it. It's just like you, you just go over. I think of that scripture that says that his angels will lift you up lest you even dash your foot against a stone. I, I think about the angels just grabbing you around the neck or wherever they grab and just lifting you up over all the trouble. Well, that, that's, that's how we are. We live above this world. We are in the world, but we are not of it. So uh, we don't participate. So the Old Testament, I looked up the word life in the Old Testament, and it literally means something very natural. It means a day of living. But in the New Testament, the word life means breath, the breath of life, God's breath, Holy Spirit bread. If you look up Holy Spirit, the spirit part, it's pneuma, and it means breath. It means uh, the breath of God. So we know, I know, you know, that everything we need to live like heaven on earth is in Zoe. It's not living better. It's not getting rid of the habit. It's not giving more. It's all those things will move things along, but it's Zoe life. If we live apart from the Zoe life, we will have a hard life. We will have to go through life 
instead of live above life. So it's essential, it's important that we tap into the Zoe life. Jesus said, I am come. Why is the Savior of the world coming? What is his reason for coming? He's going to tell us, I have come, the magnificent one, the creator of all things. He said, my job is to transmit Zoe life from God the Father into you. It surprised everybody. Most people don't know it yet, but it's quite a shock. It changes our theology. It changes our perspective that God's just sent Jesus to forgive us of our sin, but we still have all the troubles. Just because we're forgiven of our troubles doesn't mean that tomorrow we won't have those same troubles, the same temptation. He said, no, I've come that you might have life. And so the thief that he's talking about here, the thief cometh not, the thief has come to bring a theft of zoe. And he can't do anything about it spiritually, so he just puts stumbling blocks before our soul, like religion, so that we believe a lie, that we believe icons. Everybody wants an icon. Everybody wants to, to have a, 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 a picture of Jesus in the, in the church, a picture of Jesus. Well, we can have Jesus. We don't need a picture or, or have... The, in, in certain churches, old churches, they had these icons, all these, these uh, and in stained glass, something to represent him. But if you're always looking at what's representing him, you don't get him. And you have to go past the icon. This, but religion does that. Wants you to, uh, and I'm not against this, maybe I shouldn't say it, but wants us to put crosses on and have a cross in front of the church and have a cross in our house. I, please don't misunderstand. I'm not against that. But if you think that makes you spiritual, then you ought to be against it. Because it doesn't matter what you wear around your neck as far as... It, truly, to be scriptural, maybe we ought to put a little throne right there. Because we, we've been raised up together with him. Hallelujah. So there's a, they bring religion. They bring reason. They bring skepticism. They bring cynicism. And all these things crowd in on people's lives and they never hear about Zoe. They just keep you busy with moving parts and moving things, and the beautiful church, the cathedral, like that was something, or that you got a, the priest has to wear robes and the pointy hat and the, and the man skirt and all that sort of stuff. You know, like that spiritual, oh, there's the holy man, he's coming, there's the father, there's whatever. It's just, a, it's just a, a smoke and mirrors. And it takes away from him and takes away from having him. So there's a schedule for our lives. There's a plan for your life. There's a blueprint that's laid out specifically. As, as ornate and detailed as any blueprint for any house or building or whatever, there's one for each one of us. And it, it is so detailed and so specific. And God's got provision that he's appropriated from the foundation of the world to carry out every part. And he's got people meeting us at a certain time in a certain place, he's assigned their life and who they married and what job they had, but he's navigated them so they'll come right into your path. And we think, oh, hadn't seen you in a while. And there's no doubt there's some people that are not divinely led, but I, if you're looking for it, there's things that God has orchestrated for our life. But the thief has come to intercept that. There's very, I read, and I'll, I'm going to read it better, but that 60% of all people in the United States have not made a relationship in the last five years. They have no friends. 
Except the neighbor, you know, that throws their beer cans over in their yard and all that sort of, the, the dog that barks all night. They have no relationships except a little bit at work and a little bit at church if they go to church. But nothing that where they can say, hey friend, I need you to come over or whatever. Those are very rare and they're very valuable. And so what we have by default here is we're like a family. You, you meet your cousins for the first time. Well, you didn't order them and you didn't uh, admit it. They just showed up and that's who it, they say, this is your cousins. You're stuck with them for life. You know, and there you are. Well, that's the way church is. We didn't ask anybody or, you know, have a list that says if you want to come to River Church and you're this tall and you're this whatever. So we're all just family and we ought to be friends. Not just for the social aspect, that, that is a byproduct, but we ought to be friends because the life of God is in each one of us. And we need it. And, it, and it ebbs and flows, not because God ebbs and flows, but we, personality and pressure and stress and all that, we ebb and flow. And the Bible says when one falls, the other picks him up. That two is better than one. We've got to believe that. And so we can't disconnect ourselves and be on an island. So whatever the devil doesn't steal and kill, the Lord Jesus said he destroys, which we looked at that means to make useless, to make impotent, to render powerless. Uh, it's just there. It's like an icon. It's empty, and it, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just an icon. I, you know, you've got to even be a little mindful if you were going to get really, well, I shouldn't talk about that. But everything we, in, our, in the church ought to be about Jesus. Not about a banner or a ribbon or a, a flag or whatever. Those can be benign, but, but really, they just soothe our soul. Well, you know, the Lord is here because we got all this stuff here. Well, that's a, that's a false or a, 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 an empty. It's clouds without rain. It's empty. And it doesn't satisfy us and it doesn't make it. So I want to talk just for a few minutes tonight about the law of exchange. We talked about it Sunday, the law of exchange. We need to know how the kingdom works. And I love to talk about the kingdom. Do y'all love to talk about the kingdom? It, the kingdom is everything. Churches come and churches go. Church is a part of the kingdom. The kingdom is paramount. The kingdom is the kingdom. And church... You think, well, that's, that's the kingdom. No, 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 no. No, it's just an entity. It's like post office. You, you go to Cincinnati and they have several. And you go to Birmingham, they have several. But the post office system is somewhere else, the whole system. Well, that's the way the kingdom is. And so uh, the kingdom, or excuse me, the law of exchange is based on you and me. We determine what the value of anything is. A lot of churches, a lot of churches right now, if I can use that, have devalued the name of Jesus in their services. And they're talking about, Lord, send the power, and Lord, you're beautiful, and all that. But they don't talk about the name of Jesus. They also do not talk about the blood of Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, they just didn't, it didn't go with the... The, the light show or whatever. Well, what that means is, is that they've placed a value on those things. They've devalued those things which should have great value. And the way we affirm that value is to look at them in the Word or to speak them 
or to hear it. We hear about there's power in the blood, the blood of the Lamb. And we, we have a song, we have several songs about the name of Jesus. And I've asked Debran to keep us on that, to keep us always circulating around the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. But what it is, is you have to give value to things because the value of them, no matter what heaven thinks they are, the value here on earth is what you and I give value to. So we use the example, uh, you know, if somebody was believing God for a daycare, and they got a daycare, they'd be the happiest little camper in the world. But I, if I got a daycare, <laughs> I'm moving. <laughs> so it's just based on value. What do you give to value? What's valuable to you? Well, of course your children are valuable, but you don't care much about the neighbor kids. But they're kids and they have, you know, they have worth in God. They're just as valuable as our children, but they're not valuable to you and me because we don't assign valuable to, value to them worth are we are we all good and so when you have the law of exchange working you you lay down what you have or you you take what you have in order to exchange it for what you do not have none of us could sit uh, to could be put on the cross to to save the sins of anybody in this world but we, but we can give value to the cross and the Lord Jesus, what he did, ascribe value to that, and we ascribe value when we receive the price of it for ourselves. That's the law of exchange. I, I didn't have to go to the cross. I, there's no nails in my palms, but I ascribe value and worth to what he did, and then I have what I, I do what I can do, which is to ascribe value, to believe, and then I get in exchange what I cannot have. Therefore, everything in the kingdom is available. I don't have to chase any of it. I just take who I am, what I can do, what I can speak, what I can hear, what I can obey, what I, just who I am, who you are, and just do things, lay down your life in some way that with what you can do, and pick it up in a way that you will never be able to get by your own life. And we know that, we talk about going to work. You lay down your life for 40 or 50 hours a week and at the end of, and on Friday or whatever, they write you a check and you have exchanged the law of exchange. You gave your life in one dimension and uh, they gave it back to you in another dimension and everybody's satisfied. So, what we are constantly doing is we're all assigning value to things all the time. We're assigning value to ourselves. Before you knew you were the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, before you knew you were the head and not the tail, before you knew you were seated with him in heavenly places, then you may have heard somebody say, I'm just a worm or a sinner saved by grace. And you may have thought, that's me. If you watch shows, they'll always say, we're all sinners. Y'all watch those shows sometimes, see on the news or whatever? You don't. Well, let me just tell you, they are. They're all just saying, well, we don't want to be that. So they ascribe a, a false value to them based on truth. It's false. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it was different except for this. We know nothing about our value and worth. We know nothing about the kingdom 
If it's not in here, you don't know. It's a speculation, a surmise. It's just what you think and philosophers think. But this is where we get everything about the truth. And this is where we learn to ascribe value. So whereas people are ascribing value to icons and relics, and I remember the, all the movies that were made about the, the chalice, the, uh, what do you call that, the cup of Christ, the, the Holy Grail. Yes, sir, thank you. Well, you know, it's like, well, we got to find that thing, and we got to dig it up. And somebody said, I've got a splinter off the original cross. And they package that thing up and put it in a box, and, you know, everybody comes by and looks at it. See, that's, that's all idolatry. That's all uh, having no method of exchange. There's nothing you can do by possessing either one of them that will change your life. There's no exchange in that because they have no value. You can drink out of a Tupperware cup and get as much spiritual zing as you could out of the, the, <laughs> the Holy Grail. Is that blasphemous? Is that heretical or what? But anyway, you know, Tupperware. Oh, my word, Tupperware. So, uh, so we are always stretching in ourselves, our inward self, we're stretching to increase our value so that we can ex ex increase our, our exchange rate. So in the natural, we go to school. Why? Because they pay more for people that have been to school than someone that didn't finish the sixth grade. Not always, but, you know, stereotypically. Uh, we, uh, we get our kids to, to say the right words and go to the right schools and marry the right girl and all that because we want them to have the most optimum value for exchange. Is this right? Yes. We all do it. We are all. And in, 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 uh, uh, when I dropped out of school to farm uh, after five semesters, my, my whole family is like, your value just, just dropped. You, you, you lost it, son. And they mentioned that a few times to me. Hallelujah. But what if our value rate, what we think is important, is not important? What if we think that smoking something or drinking something or being with the guys or being with the gang or being with that culture, what, and I'm not, I'm not belittling that, I'm just saying every culture has participants, so what if we were in that, say we were 18 or 17, and we were in that, and we thought that's the coolest, maybe a motorcycle gang, they think they're very valuable. They think they've tapped out. You know, we're, we're, we're Bubba from the motorcycle gang, and we're tough and rough, and we got the angel sign on the back and everything, and, and yet there's no exchange rate for that because except outside of their little peer group, it does not exchange well with the world. There's nothing to lay down your life for that you can pick up anything. And so uh, we have all of that. And so we try, now here I'm going this place, we try to, to uh, negate value based on external things. So you might say that uh, people of a certain race have less value. And that's what the whole United States is embroiled in right now, is ascribing value and trying to rectify something that if you don't rectify it in your heart, it didn't change at all. You got to change the heart. But uh, anyway, so we, we assign value to things. Now, I promise you, all of us, when we were tw 21, had a different value exchange rate than you do now. 
Kids may have been a nuisance to you. You didn't like them around. It's like, go away, snotty-nosed kid or whatever. But now this is our little, this is our little brood, and we, we gather them up, and we protect them at all costs. Well, our values changed for whatever reason and however. Used to, you might not have said, I'll never go to church. I hate that place, and na 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 And now we, we clock in and clock out based on Monday, Sunday and Wednesday. Okay, got to go somewhere with this. Uh, so wisdom. We need wisdom to assign the right values to our life. Because if we want to exchange things, we have to have wisdom to know what's valuable and what's inconsequential. So go back to the songs. If you just sing songs all the time about how, 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 what a pretty day it is and how blue the sky is and white the clouds are, and you just, but it's a great melody and it's a great chorus and everybody likes to raise their voice to it. But when you get through, you have an assigned value to the name and the blood of Jesus, the, the, uh, who he is, then you've entered into an exchange rate that has no value. Well, how do you, how do you know that? Well, wisdom in the word. This is the truth. And when you know this, it sets you free. So that means if you don't know this, you're in bondage. And it's not like you got chains or you're locked in the house and you can't get out, but you're in bondage. You don't have anything to, the law of exchange is, is benign because you have nothing to lay down your life in one dimension to pick up something. And so these Christians are weak. They're hopeless. They look just like the world. They divorce at their rate. They drink at their rate. They jump off high buildings at their rate. It's the same because their value system is not different than the world. It's the same. So they don't have anything to exchange for something different. Now, when you know, like you do, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, when you know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, when you know that we have dominion over sin, it's different than when you're just a whooped little nothing under the, under the paw of the devil, and he said, you're nothing and you're going nowhere. These parents that when their sons and daughters are little that says, you'll never amount to anything, they set that value system in them. And sometimes they never get out from under it. And if they don't know this, they never get out from under it. They just transfer it into a different form. This law is important. And learning to value, give value to things. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. Would you turn there, please? Matthew chapter 6. We were there the other day, but we're just going to hit this in one little spot. Verse 32. Well, let's go to verse 31. Therefore, take no thought. So now listen, he's, he's ascribing value to things. He's fixing to tell us about value. Y'all are already reading it. Therefore, take no thought, saying, this is valuable, what shall we eat? This is valuable, what shall we drink? Or this is valuable, wherewithal shall we be clothed? And he confronts that low value, impossible to exchange it for anything, because you're just like the world. They're thinking, what are we going to do? The rent's due this week, and we, we, we didn't work this week. He says, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. So there you go. What are they saying? What are we going to do about my body? What are we going to do about this? And he said, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. 
but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And look, 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 the law of exchange. Seek first the kingdom and his system of doing business and the exchange for seeking it. All these things the Gentiles seek will be added to you. And not just added. Let's see what it says there. It does say Adam added. In another place, it talks about being multiplied. So the, uh, the uh, passion says, saying, what will we wear? For this is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your bodies require? Now, here it is. So above all, the passion says, above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. Then, there's the law of exchange. Then, all the less important things will be given to you abundantly. Well, it's hard. It's challenging when you're starting out to not work on Sunday and just say, we're going to church and we're not working and they're not paying. Did you get the check last week from Sunday? Did pastor give you a check for coming in for church? No, got no check. And so we had no check Monday. You go, but this is smart. This is value. What do you mean it's value? We sat there and let him yell at us and we went out the door and he asked us for money and we went out the door. And so you can see that the things that are valuable to some are insignificant to others. So Jesus straightened it out. He said, if you'll seek first the kingdom, if you'll lay down your life seeking the kingdom, pursuit is the word. Boy, the Lord's been talking to me about pursuit lately. But anyway, pursuit is the word. If you lay down your life, you exchange it for all these carnal. You lay down your life and just say, I submit, I cooperate, I yield. I agree with heaven. That's what it means. The word submit means to cooperate, agree, and yield. He said, lay your life down. Cooperate, yield, submit. Take time out for me. Observe the law of the Sabbath. Now, we're not under the law of the Sabbath like it's on Saturday or whatever. We're not under that law. But the law of the Sabbath is still working. You have to take time off. Oh, well. Anyway, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. So you know what we're doing? What are we doing all the time? What are you doing as you flow through life? As you just, you go home and you eat and you go to sleep and you get up in the morning. What are you doing in that day? Everything that, that's coming into your, your cognizant, the soul of your life, is we're doing an appraisal. We're constantly doing an assessment, an appraisal of what is important. And invariably, as you sit under this, we get a new assessment. We are confronted with our values that are weak or carnal or worldly. We're confronted with them because the promise of an exchange is given to us, a reward as it were, to say, I don't have to work day and night, night and day. I can give, and the Bible says there'll be an exchange, I will give, and there'll be a harvest. I'll, I'll lay down my life as a seed, and I'll pick up a harvest. Well, whoever's heard of that at Chick-fil-A or Domino's or wherever, wherever people work? No. But we hear it in the truth, and we, so we, we're confronted. Our value system is affronted, like, well, that ain't right. That can't be right. Everybody knows if you don't work on Sunday or work on Saturday that, that you don't, don't get, it can't be better. It'll be worse. But we know that that's not true. 
we've appraised the system and given value to attending church because of the value that comes in the word. And then further than that, whoever thought about if you tithe. Now that's a front and a front against your value system. That takes more than the weekend usually to reverse that. But we're confronted with it and we appraise that I'm changing my value system because I want to upgrade my exchange. I want my life to count. And I've been, I've been in the world for 30 years without Jesus, without this thing, and here's what it got me. And I've worked like a dog, and I went to school, and I, 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 I'm on the society for this, and the good boy of that. And it, here I am, just like everybody else. And it makes us want more. We want to lay down our life in another way so we can pick it up in another way. Luke chapter 12. Oh, we've got to hurry. Well, we don't have to hurry. We'll be, there's plenty more where this came from. But let's look in Luke chapter 12 because it fits what I'm saying about appraising or what did I say that? Appraising your life. In Luke chapter 12, verse 6. There we go. Now here's, here's the Lord talking about that very value, value thing. Now your life and my life has changed more than anything when we found out what Jesus did to us, for us, yeah. in us. Until then, we were just churchgoers. And you know, if, you're, if, you, if, you, if you went to bed decent, you could go to church on Sunday, but if you had a hard night, we're not going. And you know, if we can afford it, we're going to give a little bit. Or all those things, that was our value system. But all of a sudden, we're changed. He says in chapter 12, verse 6, uh, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? Now, I'm assuming that's not much. I don't know. And not one of them is forgotten before God. Now, right there, he contrasts the world system, five farthings. Is that what it said? Uh, two farthings. It's even less than I thought. Five sparrows, you get five. They're on sale. Five sparrows for two farthings. And he said, the implication there is, that's nothing. It's pennies. And then he says, but the true appraisal is that not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Well, that'll put some value on you. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. We've got to, get to, we've got to have a different view of what's important, what's valuable, what's precious, what's costly. And what's not? That makes me think of the oil of the spikenard that the woman, $300 worth of uh, perfume that she put on Jesus' feet. And they were, Judas was having a fit saying, this stuff could have been sold and given to the poor. Or put in my pocket, whichever goes first. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, she's anointing my body for the resurrection, for burial. So he gave what was valuable to the poor, he gave it a value that, transcended money. And he said, you got to change your value system. So to lift our hands and worship him on Sunday or Wednesday or in your bathroom on Thursday could be very valuable to you. More valuable than maybe going to some service or some thing that never mentioned Jesus. Ah, we were there an hour and a half. But we never talked about the things of the kingdom. 
We never were in pursuit. We were going through a liturgy, a, a format, a duty. And it has no value. It soothes your soul, maybe, maybe, maybe. It wouldn't mine, it wouldn't yours, but, you know, obviously when you're still in that. So here's my point, and I'll quit with this. Don't ever exchange what's precious for what's common. And to do that, to stay in that, you've got to know what's precious. When you and I apologize to someone, it could be that nobody knows about it. It could be that you really had a hard time getting around that thing, but you finally went to him and said, listen, I did it, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Now, let me just tell you, that's precious. That releases people. That empowers you to move on because you're locked down. The Word says your prayers are not getting answered, and you're in trouble, and you don't even know it because it's just between you and them, and they, they may not even know that you were such a turkey that you did what you did. But you go and do, you give what's precious, and then you, you reap all these things that the Gentiles seek are added unto you. That you can't work for. You cannot work enough hours to get all these things the Gentiles need. Because the whole world's doing that right now. Is that right? Are they getting up Monday and, 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 and laying down on Sunday night and saying, what a week. I ask people all the time, says, I have been working 50, 60, 70 hours. I say, are you rich? Oh, no, we're not rich. Well, then what are you doing? What are you doing if you're working all your life and you're not rich? What else is there? What else is there for someone that just works all their life? If you're not rich, what are you doing? You got the wrong job. Well, they got holes in their pockets too. So I'll tell you this before we go. In Matthew 25, the, the master leaves eight talents with his three servants, five, two, and one. And uh, according to their several ability, and we've looked up that word and we know now that that word ability means capacity according to what they could hold. I'm going to tell you right now, family, every one of us is being measured in our capacity. We haven't got to the place where you're going to have to be able to hold a lot, but it is coming. It's here and it is coming. That there's no crisis in your life right now. There's nothing that you go, we got to study all day. We got to pray all night. We got to, we got to do right and not, quit and not do wrong. None of that's going on, generally speaking, not here. But you'd be a fool. You'd be wrong to say that you shouldn't dig deep and plant your life, your house on the rock, because there is a storm coming, and it'll be too late to prepare. So in Matthew 25, he talks about uh, there's no difference between the man that had five talents given to him for his capacity and earned five more, and the man in the middle that only could handle two, but he earned two more. When the master came back, there's no difference between the commendation, the reward that he gave those two guys. He said, y'all are the same. You had more. It doesn't matter what you got. It matters what you did with what you got. Two men, it doesn't matter what you got. You did. You maxed out who you are and what you got. And that's the way it is with us. It doesn't matter if you go, well, I didn't get what Brother Doodad got. And I can't do what Sister Silly does I can't do any of that. It doesn't matter. You got to do with what you got. Now, here's what I say about myself, and this is a little offensive to people, and it's personal to me, but you just have to get over it because that's what I say. I've been saying that for the last 20 years that I am 
a hundred dollar an hour man. That's hard on people, and really, actually, I'm, it's gone up since then. <laughs> and you go, what's that mean? Well, I do what only I can do so that I can do everything he's called me to do. And if you sell yourself for four and a half dollars doing this and doing that, that anybody can do, that, that really is all some people can do, but you do it, then you're never going to make a spiritual hundred dollars an hour because you're selling out cheap. And there's just so many hours in the day and there's just so much anointing on you and there's just so much emotional energy in you. You're, you're going to wear out. You're going to quit before the job is done, before the call of God on you is done. Because you worked on little stuff, little, little stuff that anybody could do, but you just like to do it. You just, that's fun, and I like these people. But, you, but we, we, we deny the call of who you are and the gift in you. The five-talent man better bring home five. It's not good enough for him to bring home two like the two-talent man. Y'all see this? He, he, he would get, he'd get thrown something at him, if he, but he doubled, and then the other one doubled. And it's the same. So it doesn't matter who you are or what you have in your life. We're supposed to double. Don't be, don't be sitting around saying, well, I had not been given much, so nothing's required. Everything that you've been given and I've been given is required. Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, saw Moses judging the people from early to late. And they would be in these long lines, Exodus says. I think it's Exodus. And his father-in-law came by and he said, the good thing you do is not good. You need to get some people down here to judge these little things and you be the Supreme Court, if there was one, and you, you take care of the big business and let them. Well, everything started working right. Well, you and I have to know our value. I gotta know my value. Now, I'll just tell y'all, just personally, I'm very valuable to the kingdom. But so are you. I'm not more valuable than you are. If I've been given anything more or different than you, I'm responsible to double that. So I better be on it. I better giddy up. And if you hadn't been given what I've been given or somebody else, Brother Copeland, Brother Copeland, he better giddy up because it's obvious what's been put in him. So you've got to know your value. It'll make you come up and you say, I'm the righteousness of God in him. He always causes me to triumph. No matter what I put my hand to, I never look back. You get that in you and you go, I can't just lay around like so-and-so and my neighbor and, and the religious folks. I got to giddy up. The law of exchange. It's powerful. We'll talk about it again. Amen. Thank you for tuning in this evening. We didn't quite go till morning, but you'll come back. We'll finish up. God bless you.